We've made it, everyone. It is finally race week. The summer break is over and Formula One is back in business this weekend in the Netherlands, home of Max Verstappen. And we'll be having a little look forward to what could be on the cards for Sunday's Grand Prix. Uh, spoiler alert, he's probably going to win. Uh, now, it's also an F2 weekend. And considering we spoke F3 last week, we thought it was only right we have a little bit of F2 chat as well. Uh, and who better to do that alongside myself, Harry Benjamin. And Callan O'Keefe is a former F2 driver and the current uh, WEC Championship leader in the LMP2 category. In fact, he's racing all the main endurance championships at the moment. Louis Delatraz. Louis, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Hi, hello. Thanks for having me. Now, you've actually, uh, you're off the back of some pretty big news, aren't you, in terms of what you're up to for for, for next year and beyond? Yeah, we just got uh, the deal sorted. So it's it's really cool. I'm looking forward to be with, with Akurai in IMSA in the top class. You know, endurance is growing as everything F1, F2. So we're all happy in motorsports right now. Now, you were actually just saying to me about your grueling calendar that you've got coming up over the next month or so. Because you're racing all the, all the main endurance calendars, you're doing... Where are you going again? Back to back across the world. Uh, yeah, we have Fuji, first week of September, the week after Indianapolis, then Spa. So we go around the world. It's quite, it's quite nice. I'm trying to <laughs> slot in a trip in Hawaii because it's on the way, but uh, don't know if the team lets me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be mega wouldn't it uh well look you're clearly a very busy man so we, we appreciate you taking the time um especially when you're when you're enjoying some downtime um now let's just sort of i know it was a few years ago for you now but formula two obviously it, it, it's it's on it's the, the the final step on on the ladder before you know a formula one might beckon or indeed other high profile motorsports take us back to sort of your time in formula two and how you found it because you had some, some especially that final year some some pretty good results yeah, F2 is, is, I mean, an amazing category. Uh, I enjoyed my time there, but it also, it's a very tough one. Uh, there's not many seats in F1. You might be winning and, and not go to F1. You may not be winning and go to F1 because in the end, it's not only about the results. Uh, you also need to be the good team, right moment. But I think you you, you learn a lot. And um, F2, especially now, you have to arrive and, and win. I spent four years there. I had good results, but four years is too long. So for sure, you need the... Um, to, to arrive, perform, and, and also be lucky at that moment. Well, actually, that's really... Because me and Callan had this exact conversation uh, last week about F3. Is it now, especially sort of with the Max Verstappen effect and, and drivers getting younger and younger and younger when they come into Formula 1, when you get into these categories, is it really only one year, one shot, you've got to show your stuff, and any longer than that, and, and suddenly you, you fall down the pecking order a bit because the next young hot shot's going to come through? I think it always depends drivers by drivers because we also see the risk coming back in F1 and there's always uh, some slight different path for everyone. But for sure, if you arrive and win, your chances are much higher than if you stay three years. Um, the second year is still for sure very important. I think the third year becomes uh, less impressive if you win because now you look at the age in, in F2. I mean, when I arrived in F2 at 18, I was by far the youngest or one of the youngest. Now everyone is 18. There is not any more... Uh, I mean, someone over 22 almost in the people contending for wins. I don't know. Nicholas, 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 the TV. I saw a statistic that he's older than half the grid in Formula One, isn't he? He's 28 <laughs> now. I just, yeah, I, well, I think that Louis. Yeah, what, well, yeah, but it's kind of, it's, it's the balancing point, isn't it? Between actually, you know, getting it right and giving yourself enough time to do it. And I think it's kind of when you enter, it's like you said, Louis, when you entered F2, you're 18 years old. That was, that was rare i mean you know drivers when they were 15 they weren't even thinking about cars they were still you know racing carts you're racing senior karting at 16 years old so times are definitely changing aren't they 
it's crazy how fast it goes. And also, I mean, yeah, they just spend one year in F4, one year in F3, go to F2, which also, I think, in my opinion, explains why there's much more crashes and small, small things happening in F2, like much more front wings getting broken, maybe more silly crashes, small ones, but happens because there is less experience. But that, that's how motorsport is now. Throw, throw your driver in and see what goes on. So who do you think out of the, the current crop? I mean, I mean the top the top of the championship is Porsche, Vesti, uh, Martins, Iwasa, Duan, and Behrman. I, I also, I'm going to include Liam Lawson in that sort of scenario as well, even though he's in Super Formula, but I actually just had quite a big crash, didn't he, over the weekend. Um, but, you know, those sort of all the guys that are sort of at the at the top of the next sort of crop, who, who, who are you looking at and thinking has a realistic chance maybe of, of a Formula One seat? I think Pusher has a chance because okay, he's the he did three years. He's obviously leading, uh, and he's yeah being very closely looked by by Fred Vasser and, and Sauber. So I think that's a strong link. But uh, I would also say Berman and um, and Martins maybe Martins has been improved. I mean, impressive, very impressive speed. Did a lot of mistake, but and he's much older than the rest of the grid. But uh, I like him. I, I really like the fact that he comes in and he's actually, for me, on pure performance, the best this year. What about you, Callan? Who have you got your eye on? I think Behrman. Behrman's been kind of... Behrman and, and Martins are the two that stand out, as Louis said, in terms of actual raw speed. They've come in with, with much less experience. Okay, you know, separate age. There are two different ends of the spectrum, but they both have that that raw speed, that ability, and they've, they've demonstrated multiple times. Despite a couple of mistakes, they actually have the ability to take the fight to the... The more experienced drivers in F2. I I see I I don't really I think Porcher is at a bit of a, a tipping point right now because of his experience. As you say, we always measure how long they've been there for. I think he has to do something really exceptional to end the season, do a good job if he gets the opportunity in Formula One, but something really, really good to to stake the claim for that seat because I just don't know where he's gonna go. If he wins F2, I don't know where's next. I mean, I know Vesti as well, another very experienced driver. It's it's not only about your performance but as louis said it's about your reputation and how your performance is perceived to be by the people that matter that give you the seat and i think if if you spend that third that third year then you kind of disappear i mean there's there's drivers like look at drogovic where's where's he gonna go is he gonna get a shot you know he got it he won it last year so you're kind of the queue is is getting longer and longer so you have to do something really really exceptional to get that seat don't you i the thing is it comes down to it. There aren't enough seats in Formula One. That's obvious. Drivers that are getting into Formula One, you know, look at Russell, Leclerc, Albon. They got in quite young and and have done well. So they're going to have really long careers, probably longer than we've seen before. I mean, look at Alonso and Hamilton. You know, still going in, into their forties. <laughs> and you think, well, if Russell does that, well, then you know, when when are the young guns going to get their chance? But equally, Callum brings up a really good point. The champion of F2, Louis, surely they should automatically get a seat in Formula One the next year. Well, then you would need a league system like in football, but the issue with contracts and sponsors, it's it's impossible. Um, but I would agree with you. If you win F2, you should deserve a shot at least. But there's mm. not enough cars. There's maybe sometime one seat player that gets free. But now they even use, they have drivers coming back like Ricardo. They have, obviously, which he deserves. But going to F1 is, there's 26. And 19 are always secured for the year after, pretty much. Yeah. It makes the, the field almost impossible to join. 
My kind of question for you, Louis, is obviously you spent you spent a long time in FT. You spent a long time at kind of like the you know the, the the tipping point there. How did you you know how closely were you monitoring the situation? Because I don't think that's ever a question I've ever asked or ever heard anyone talk about. You know, when you're driving, obviously you're racing, you're focusing on your own performance. But how closely are you trying to kind of predict the political landscape of Formula One to see where there's going to be an opening, or is it just something that you don't really think about and you just hope that if you produce the results, the right opportunity will come your way? I think initially you don't think about it. Uh, it's a mistake, which I think people learn now because they have from very young age managers. And I mean, you need the right person to support you, otherwise you have no chance. Um, in the end, of course, I had a head manager. I was on my dad who knows motorsport very well. Uh, and through the F2 teams, I had meetings with some F1 team managers and also my relationship with Haas. I think I actually got quite close when uh, when I was in with reserve with Haas and uh, Grosjean had his accident, which he thank God survived, but it was insane. He had to miss the last two races. And I think that was the closest I got to, to drive an F1. Then, okay, it didn't happen. Pietro was in the car for the last two races because I had the F2 commitment and then it was just not the right moment. But uh, would have loved to, to do it, you know. Um, but of course, at that moment, there's also money involved and you talk about things about what's going to be next season and there's amounts of money that are being requested by teams to drive in F1, not from you, but from sponsors. Uh, that no one can match. If you don't have this money in the bank, you can just not go. And mm. that's also a reality of F1, which I think has changed a lot now since the Netflix effect. And the teams are much more healthy. They don't need money anymore. But when I was there, you still needed money to join the back of the field teams. And that was only, what, a couple of years ago? Really not that long at all, was it? So it's it's oh, crazy man. how much things have changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'm that. Um, well, that, and the global pandemic in between, wasn't it? <laughs> but um, I suppose then, do you think the ladder works? Because, okay, once in a blue moon, uh, the, the champion or at least one of the top five drivers in F2 will, will get that shot in, in Formula One because it does happen. You know, that is the logical, that's where they look for the next step. But... Even if they don't, I suppose it at least puts you in a good place because, you know, you're in the world of, of endurance racing now. And that looks like it is just about to take off massively with, with hypercars coming into the world endurance championship and more and more young drivers seeing that as a feasible long term career option. So do you think, firstly, that the road to F1 ladder works, uh, even if you don't get to F1 at the end of the day? I think it does, especially if you lose last last few years. I mean, in the end, when I was in F2, there was uh, Leclerc, Cassidy, Albon, Russell, Norris. Uh, and if you see the grid in F1, and it's so competitive, they're all so full of talents and, and they made it. Of course, now it's harder to join because they are young drivers, but I think it, it works. Uh, and as you say, F2, if I didn't do it, I probably would not have that experience now, would not have done so well straight away in endurance because I, I grew up in F2. I learned a lot. I also learned by failing. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that works. The only thing, in my opinion, that does not work is how expensive it is and it keeps getting more expensive and you ex- exclude a lot of people from uh, F3 but also F2 because I've heard the budgets now, it's crazy, like almost 3 million in the top teams. And when you're 18 years old, I don't know how you can find that much money. It was already expensive when I was there, but now it's even more. So if you get to F2, it definitely works. But there is money given to teams in F1 with... TV rights, etc., mm. and I think they should do the same in F2 to actually get drivers in that deserve maybe more to sit on talent rather than just bringing budget. 
I I still think, and I know it would never happen, but you mentioned the league system earlier, like in football. I still think that the bottom team in F1 gets relegated to F2. The top team in F2 gets gets the promotion to Formula One. And then the champion gets a funded seat for a year by Formula One. And that's how it should work. That would be absolutely. Could you imagine a team? They all, they, they, like one of the smaller teams in F2, they all of a sudden win, they win it because they have a great year, they have a great package, everything. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, the infrastructure, whatever, is about 10 to 15 million. Now it needs to go up to 400 million because we're taking on Mercedes with a complete rookie. That's going to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, it would never work, but. <laughs> it is it is funny though that you talk about like the system and obviously Louis spoke about it and he said, Oh, you know, like it's impossible. But actually in, in America you have the the road to Indy, which is, you know, USF two thousand, Indy Pro, Indy Next it's called now, which used to be Indy Lights and then IndyCar. And I, I'm ninety-five percent sure on this that if you win the championship in every situation, if you win USF 2000, which is the equivalent of like F4, you get a fully funded seat the next season. If you win that, you get a fully funded seat the next season. And if you win Indy next, you get a guaranteed or a guaranteed chance to race the 500 if you qualify. And if they can do it, I think maybe there's more facility there that actually, even if you get a guaranteed development role with a Formula One team, just something that actually means that you're kind of rewarded for the you know, whatever it's going to be now, if you spend three years in F2, you have to spend almost 10 million to win it. Mm. There should be some form of reward, guaranteed reward at the end of the day, really, shouldn't there? I I suppose Felipe Djokovic got, won it and then got sort of an Aston Martin deal out of it and became their first ever young driver. But what does he actually do on a day-to-day basis? I don't know. And the other thing I suppose I, I, I don't know I mean, Louis, maybe you know a bit more. With with the likes of Porcher, Vesti, Martins, Iwasa, Du and Berman, they're all at the top. They're all backed officially by Formula One teams. So I'm assuming then they are fully funded. They're not forking out anything, right? Or am I wrong? I think not fully. Um, okay. Maybe some do. I Actually, I, honestly, I don't know. But um, even at some time, I think... Uh, I don't, I don't remember exactly who, but some Red Bull drivers were only getting fifty percent of the budget paid by the um, by the teams uh, by the yeah by Red Bull or even Ferrari. I think, for example, for Leclerc, they paid everything. Uh, mm. I think they don't pay everything for all the academy. But actually, I, I don't exactly know, so I don't want to speak about something I don't know. But um, I would be surprised if all those guys are fully funded by um, by junior teams. I'm pretty sure they have to bring at least half of the budget. Yeah, as, as far as I'm aware, it varies, as Louis said, it varies depending on driver, it varies depending on, on situation as well. But most of them, they, you, they they work with the junior teams to actually finalize the budget. So the junior team will say, well, we identify the fact that you have a great deal of talent and we want, you know, we want you to be a part of the stable and we're looking for you for the future. But it's very rare. I, I can't think of a time, there's, there's the odd exception, like you said, like Leclerc, but I, I can't think of a, a consistent time now where drivers are actually getting full fully funded drivers because it just doesn't make sense for them the budgets are so crazy now that if you had seven or eight drivers in your junior driver academy and you were funding all of them the amount of money you'd spend just on those drivers alone would would be you know a significant amount for the formula one team so with the budgets getting more and more i think it's also going to get more and more difficult to actually get to those those pinnacles of motorsport the junior motorsport because the, the junior teams aren't going to support you as much because they just can't afford it as it gets more and more expensive 
Yeah. So so even actually, if you you know you are backed by a top team, you might not necessarily be backed fully all the way, even at the the top level in, in Formula Two. So that's always something to bear in mind. Well, look, F two is back in action this weekend as well, alongside Formula One, and it is well worth a watch. They're always good fun watching Formula Two and yeah. Formula Three, and you you know you do get the insights on the next the next generation of talent coming through. And even if they don't make it to Formula One, they go off and have some pretty amazing careers in uh, the endurance championship or wherever that wherever it might be. Look at uh, Liam Lawson in Super Formula. Look at Louis Delatraz in the uh, endurance championships across the world. And actually, we still got a few more minutes, Louis. So I just want to talk a little bit more about what you're up to at the moment because you are literally racing what the, the top the, the main three endurance championships: IMSA in America, the World Endurance Championship, and ELMS European Le Mans Series. Balancing all those must be so hard. Well, this year I've been lucky because there is no clashes. Uh, next year might be a bit uh, rougher because obviously if there's clashes, you can do all of it. And uh, I mean, obviously when you enjoy something, it's a lot easier to to do it. And I love motorsport. So you know, that's what you were saying. Yes, in F2, you need to fund your budgets. If you go to F1, you're professional and you get paid. Um, if you cannot make it to F1, you have to go to Endurance, Super Formula, or another professional championship. And my way was the endurance way. And I mean, I always lived it through my dad who was in endurance. So I always looked at it. And I think more F2 drivers should, should start thinking about it or even F3 earlier because it's never guaranteed you will go to, to F1. But uh, the endurance was growing massively. All those three championships are, are majors. The amount of fans coming on the weekend now are, are huge. And also for fans, it's much cheaper to attend the events. Yeah. So we really have a good time right now. And uh, I really suggest... You come and see at least one race and uh, and enjoy it with us. Well, of course, there's a 24 hour Le Mans, isn't there? Which is which is one of the highlights on the calendar. But even even uh, at the WEC um, Monza round, I think because I was uh, doing F1 Academy, but they were supporting WEC in, in in Monza, and and it was the, the crowds were insane for for, for Monza. It, it was it was absolutely packed. So people just like love to come out and, and see these cars race, and they are uh, beautiful machines. Um, in terms of the likes of people you've raced, not raced against, because in endurance racing, you're sort of your teammates in the same car, aren't you? Swapping in and out. But you've, you know, your teammates have included the likes of, of Robert Kubica. What was he like to, to what is he like to, to go up against and, and, and work with? So the first time I met him was in the seat fitting, and uh, I was a bit worried. I thought, you know, his big, big name in F1. Uh, there's always ego. I don't know. He never did endurance, same as me. So I didn't know what to expect. Uh, we straight away got along really well at the seat fit. And I think, you know, he is probably, I, I say openly for sure, the best teammate I, I ever had. But uh, also a, a talent that I think we've never seen. Or I mean, he's amazing. It's so technically strong, so good with setting up a car. He knows the car better than engineers, I think. Wow. Um, he's been driving every possible car from F1s to rally to obviously hypercars. Um, he's just so good, so passionate. And he's, you know, I would not have expected this after we went to the first race in 2021. I call him in the parking lot because I was looking for my, for my passes. And I see him waiting in the parking lot, watching his phone of uh, karting, watching karting races. And he knew every single driver that were competing in karting in each category in F4, in F3, in F2 because he loves motorsport and he, he just follows everything. And that's, I think, amazing that someone like Kubica has achieved everything in his career, probably. Okay, he had the accident, but still, someone like him is it's insane. And uh, I, I'm really happy I went to address and met him because I think it changes uh, your view on the sport. 
that that's that's an awesome story and he's such a massive what if isn't he what could have been in formula one but even so his even with that his his reputation is is well precedes himself doesn't it? it it's it's uh unfound um but um that's sort of uh, how endurance racing works, I suppose, when you, you, you multiple cars, multiple drivers per car. In terms of Formula One, I suppose you've got to be a lot more selfish. It's individual, even though it's a team sport. Um, what have you made of, of, uh, of, of the season so far? You know, the likes of, of Verstappen going up against Perez, even though there's nothing really to go up against in terms of Verstappen. <laughs> is he, is he going you... up against him? Is he well, really? <laughs> well, I feel like he gave us, he gave, there was a little bit of hope at the start of the year, wasn't there? And then it all came crumbling down. I feel like Perez just, just crumbled. What, what, what have you made of it all, Louis? I'm all for the respect of, of Max. I mean, it's really amazing when you see his performance and uh, he's always been quick and talented, but now he got everything under control. I think there's no more, not too much aggression anymore. And it's, he's just insanely fast. No one can beat him. Uh, you can only look up to this and hope to try to get somewhere close to his level. He's just has pure talent and uh, okay. People complain he's dominating. Yes. Sometimes it's boring, but uh, I find this incredible. Um, you can have the best car, yes, but if you dominate like this, you must be the best too. The boys will be back with a Zanvort preview in just a minute, but first a couple of words from our sponsors. First up, Athletic Greens. We all know Formula One drivers are great athletes, and great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. Now, I appreciate the majority of us can't claim to be world-class athletes, but that doesn't mean we can't look after ourselves like we are. That's why I gave AG1 by Athletic Greens a try, because I wanted to support my immune system and sustain my energy levels. I take AG1 in the morning and it makes me feel ready to take on the day. It's just one small scoop of AG1 in a glass of water. It's that easy to cover your nutritional basis. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash WTF1. That's athleticgreens.com slash WTF1. Check it out. Also, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. You've waited all year and the time has finally arrived. College football is back. And so are the traditions, the tailgates and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football game. If you're a college football fan, you don't need me to tell you that there are so many incredible games coming up. And you can check out the available lines and odds via the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So what are you waiting for? Kick off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the F1. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football bet. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code WTF1. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 
21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Back to the show. I mean, he see, Louis seems like such a, a nice guy, Cam, doesn't he? And, and he, he's so insightful. And the way his career is going right now, I mean, it, endurance and, and uh, world endurance, IMSA, he, he's got the market covered in that aspect. Yeah, he's he's Mr. Worldwide, isn't he? He's all, he's all <laughs> over the place. It's been it's been like six months, and I haven't dropped a pitbull reference in. So it's the first of many. I'm sure the fans at home will be happy to hear that. Uh, but you know, I I raced against Louis actually from my my first season in Formula BMW in 2012, and Louis when he first came into car racing that that first season, he wasn't really at the front of the grid until the end of the season, and then when it kind of clicked with him, it, it really clicked. And I mean, it, I kind of remember back to. There's a championship called World Series by Renault. It was like the big feeder championship for Formula One. You had World uh, Renault Two Liter and, and Three Point Five. They were proper cars. You know, hundred thousand people coming to watch. It was awesome. And if you won Three Point Five, you normally got a shot in Formula One. And we saw drivers like you know Pierre Gasly. He went through there before he went to to, to GP Two. He kind of dual programmed that. Carlos Sainz did it. Kevin Magnussen, Nick DeFries. You know, a, a good group of people went through there because the cars were so similar at the time. And the third year that he did it, you know, we had some good names in there. It was Alban, Leclerc, Russell, and Louis was the class of the field in terms of pace. He was so fast. There was one race at Monza. He, he qualified on pole. He jumped the start, got a drive-through penalty, and I think he still finished fourth. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's like a 25-second penalty. So he, you know, he's an immensely fast racing driver, and I think it really is an interesting conversation to have with him to say, well, does the ladder work because you didn't get to Formula One, but look at the career that you're now mm. having. And it's really great to have his insight and, and really, really grateful he took the time to, to join us. Yeah, no, well done, Callum. You sorted that out. Where did you finish in that race where, where Louis got the drive through? Uh, probably fifth, probably behind him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not bad. Still a top five finish. Um, look, uh, now this summer break, there really hasn't been too much silly season stuff or really much going on at all. Um, and it is now race week. So we are going to have a little look as to, or a little prediction, maybe see what, what we think might we get out of Zandvoort this weekend. But there was some news and it's come in the form of Felipe Massa, Callan, and and his sort of seek for justice. Um, and this is all over the 2008 World Championship, which was won by Lewis Hamilton at the time. But um, if you don't know the backstory for this, basically... Six months ago or so, Felipe Massa revealed that he was looking into options to get justice because of some comments that Bernie Eccleston, the then head of Formula One, had made about the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix where Nelson Piquet Jr. deliberately crashed his Renault to bring out the safety car, which helped his teammate Fernando Alonso win the race. Uh, The idea is Bernie and Max Mosley apparently knew of the situation at the time but didn't want to say anything so it would avoid a huge scandal. And just in the last couple of days, Massa's people have put out a statement saying, simply put, Mr. Massa is the rightful 2008 Drivers' Champion and F1 and the FIA deliberately ignored the misconduct that cheated him out of that title. Mr. Massa is unable to quantify his losses at this stage, but estimates that they are likely to exceed tens of millions of euros. This amount does not cover the serious moral and reputational loss suffered by Mr. Massa. What do we make of this, Callan O'Keefe? 
Uh, I I kind of get that's it. That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, look, like the whole the whole PK incident in Singapore, it was it, you know it kind of looked obvious at the time, and then when it came out that it was the case, you know that obviously he deliberately crashed and it brought out the safety car and Alonso won the race and it was all orchestrated. But you can't really go back and say, well, uh, the reason why Felipe lost the world championship was because of that, because unfortunately sport is unfair sometimes, you know, he's not the only person who's lost something because of controversy in sport. It's just the nature of it. And if you, if you, I think that we're in a bit of a dangerous situation here where if you allow this to kind of get legs and run, then it's going to be very, very dangerous because there's so many instances in sport where controversies dominated and led to a result. So what are you going to do? Open up the entire, whatever it's been, 70 years of, of official Formula One world championships and go through and make sure that everyone was the rightful champion? Probably not. We can't really do that. And I get Felipe's side of things because he, he really wants that money. Like you win, you get a lot more money if you win a world championship just through endorsements and everything. But I, I just, it just seems like, I don't know what your opinion is, but it just seems like we just can't really allow it. And if it does happen, it can't certainly can't run in the media. It just needs to be settled behind closed doors so that we don't get more controversy. I mean, there was a race a couple of years ago where there was massive controversy. We really don't want to open up that can of worms again, do we? Well, who said we weren't going to get a championship fight in 2023? Just not on the current title. It's yeah. <laughs> 2008. Uh, I don't know. I think... I, I agree. I don't think I don't think there's any serious doubt that they're going to strip Lewis Hamilton of, of his first world title and give it to Felipe Massa. I don't think they could possibly do that because it look it wasn't all down to Singapore. There were other races that year where Felipe Massa didn't score or retired or didn't do well enough. Well, wasn't it, it Singapore 2008? Sorry to cut off. Wasn't it that year? It was either 2007 or 2008 where actually that weekend Ferrari released Massa with the yeah. refueling holes and he had to park at the end of the pit lane. Yeah. So it's not like he would have won the race anyway. It's not like um, he would have scored. The, you know, let's sue Ferrari for that then because that cost him the world championship. It just, the cycle's endless, isn't it? And if you're going to sue Ferrari for the amount, the amount of mistakes they make in the pit lane, then you're going to be here for a very, very long time. Uh, but that's exactly it. I, I think maybe there would have been a little bit more cause for concern if Massa had literally been leading the race by 30 seconds until the safety car came out and that had ruined his whole race. But that wasn't the case. He wasn't in that position. So I, I could understand why he's going for it because, you know, who doesn't want the tens of millions of pounds, even if you are already a fairly wealthy racing driver. But I I, I, I do agree. I, I think it should probably should have been done behind closed doors. And it is a lot of... Um, big words that they've used in in that statement you know cheating and accusing f1 and the fia and look f1 is no strange to controversy but when you look at the names that were involved bernie exton max mosley okay they they were formula one they were the fia but they're not they're not anymore and it has changed quite a lot obviously he still has to point his accusations in the direction of f1 and the fia but i just think Maybe in this current day and age, you can't do it behind closed doors because because it's always going to get get out somewhere or another, right? It, it's modern day media. Yeah, but isn't isn't I? And again, forgive me for my lack of knowledge on this, but wasn't he heavily involved with the FIA and in, in like so that you have the FIA and then you have the CIK FIA, which is the karting division yeah, of the yeah, FIA, yeah. and isn't he quite heavily involved in that still? He was kind of leading the CIK FIA, so that's another like added complication. Is obviously mm -hmm. he's a now a, a kind of part of the FIA, if you like, if he's still got that role. So it just adds even more complication, doesn't it? And 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. Like in the night, you, you can't get away with anything now. Everything's on social media. Everything's out in the open. So it's very, it's, it's impossible for it to run behind closed doors. But I just, I think it sets a dangerous precedent for stuff. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I'm sure if I was in his position, it would take a lifetime to get over feeling of being wronged. But, you know, it's it's sport and sport is unfortunately unfair. It's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? He'll be seeing, he'll be suing. Can I even get my words out? Jesus Christ. Yes, you can. One more time. Third time's a chance. One more time. <laughs> He'll be suing Timo Glock next, I imagine. Uh, oh, no. Why did you bring Timo into this? All of that. That's at three attempts to build up to as well. Uh, well worth it, though. Well worth it. Well, worth it. Uh, well look, that, that's kind of the juiciest gossip that's been going on, really. Um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see how that one uh, plays out. Um, I, I imagine there'll be a bit of a, a backdoor dealing and, and Felipe will, will go quietly. Um, but uh, let's look ahead, shall we? Because it is race week. It's Zandvoort. It's the home of Max Verstappen in the Dutch dunes. And the first time I went to Zandvoort was actually only a few weeks ago for the F1 Academy race. And I was so taken aback by... I mean, I knew it was narrow. I knew it was steep. But I had no idea. It... it, it until you actually see it with your own two eyes, some of those banked corners are insane. It is ridiculous they allow Formula One cars, especially yeah. the current crop of Formula One cars to drive at Zanford. It's, you know, it it looks it looks fast for an F4 car. Then you 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 know take into account that Formula One car, modern day cars are about 30 seconds a lap quicker. It's just ludicrous. There's zero margin for error. Everything's high speed. It is an absolute driver killer physically because all of there's no rest point. There's literally there's one long straight, and then for a minute thirty, you're under severe severe load because of all the high speed corners. And it's a proper track. It really really is, and it's it's one that I I love watching Formula One go to. It's not going to be a thriller because it's very very difficult to overtake there, but the crowd make up for that. And I for one. It's been so long without hearing that Dutch national anthem. I just can't wait to hear it again on Sunday afternoon. God, yeah, it's been far too long, hasn't it? That, oh, but just cannot the, wait. The real question is, is someone going to beat Max Verstappen or is he going to break down and then someone will beat him? Um, I just, the thing is, he just seems impervious to any kind of reliability issues. Like, actually, all the cars do. There's so, there's very rarely a, a, a reliability-related retirement. I mean, I kind of know a couple of the Haas engines have gone pop recently, but in this day and age, you know, that we earlier in the year, we were talking about how this was the first time or the second time that every car has finished a race in Formula One. Like, there were no, like Miami, I think, was one of them, like, and there were no retirements. And you just think... Oh, come on, let's have a couple of, you know, let's have a couple of front wing fade. No, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a couple of, you know, incidents or, yeah. you know, because people love that, don't they? As long as it's, you know, Formula One, part of the in, in, enticement of it is that you might get some wheel to wheel battles that result in one car coming off worse than another, but uh, or, or an engine going pop or something like that. You don't want to see too much of it, but we haven't had any of that. And actually, it means that the smaller teams aren't getting those surprise big results that that make you love an underdog. Yeah, you, you know, and it's it's a shorter lap as well, which means that there is more ability that if you get caught at the wrong moment, it can actually really hinder you as well. Like if you get caught with the wrong, like a wrong time with a virtual safety car, then it turns mm. into a safety car. You can make big gains and then you can hold on to those gains. So if we see a miraculous qualifying or something happen during the race, there is actually the chance that someone who's a bit out of position in terms of pace can hang on to it because it's so difficult to pass there. So if we just get a little sprinkling of chaos, we're not saying anything crazy, just like a little sprinkling, 
hopefully we could be in for an exciting race and that or we just make Max start at the back. I'm, well, that, I'm all for that. Like that, make yeah. him start in downtown Zandvoort. He has to drive into the circuit when the race starts and, and then maybe he'll only win by two or three seconds, wouldn't it? Maybe, the speed bumps maybe. are horrible on the way in. Oh, God. <laughs> Getting out of that circuit is a nightmare apparently as well. Um, I'm, going, I'm flying on Thursday. I can't wait. Um, big, bold prediction for this for this weekend. I'd... I would love to make a big, bold prediction, but I feel like anything I say is going to be wrong because well, I do just think... There might think... be a sprinkling of rain, apparently, so that could throw a spanner in the works. Well, as you know, I've, I've spent a lot of a lot of time in, in the land of waffles now, so I'm considered yes. to be an expert in, in all things Netherlands. And it's been very warm. But according to my girlfriend, she says, when it's very warm, and I'm going to throw her under the bus, even though she didn't actually say this, but it makes it sound like it's local knowledge. Yeah. When it rain, when it gets really, really warm, it rains a lot. So I'm going to like throw that out there and say okay. that the warmth that we're now having at the moment, it's it's lovely, 25 degrees, 30 degrees, means that it's going to rain this weekend. We're going to see some rain. We're going to see some carnage. And I think we're going to see a McLaren fighting for a race win. That's my bold prediction. Ooh, a McLaren fighting for a race win. I love it. I love it. I think... I've got in my head, maybe because I just want it to happen, a Carlos Sainz on the podium because he hasn't got a podium this year. He's been a bit Ferrari. average, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, the, I think Ferrari's been a bit average, to be well, fair. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's he's actually done quite a good job. I just think the car's been a bit anonymous. I'd like to see that as well. I'd like to see, I'd like to see Carlos out qualify Charles and mm. just you know, just give a little stamp to to that number one claim at Ferrari especially with all the contract rumors hopefully he's feeling refreshed after the summer break and he can come in and, and do a mega job and yeah set the tone for the rest of the season to make it interesting in the uh, the inter-team squabble yeah I agree let's hope for that uh, let us know what you're hoping for this weekend uh, but in the meantime we are out of time uh, thank you very much for for uh, listening or watching however you absorb your podcasts a big thank you to Louis Delatraz as well for taking the time what an insightful chap he is um, make sure you are following and subscribe to the WTF on social and YouTube channel in the meantime though myself Harry Benjamin and Callan O'Keefe uh, we shall say goodbye and see you next week where we'll be looking back and all things Zanvor. And finally, some racing action as the summer break comes to an end and F1 is back in business.